days of peace and days of rest in times of loss and loneliness therefore for your word is true for all my ways are known to you no trial has come beyond your hand no step I this week, this month, this year? Do you know only the, only the peace and the grace, the joy that God can give, no one else?
testimony or anything that God did in your life this week? Or was it just another flat week? (laughs) Say again. Boring is good. (laughs) Father, we thank you so much this morning, Lord, that you answer our prayers. Lord, you are not deaf. You are not sleeping as uh, Elijah proclaimed about the idols of Baal, Lord, and I just pray, thank you this morning, Lord, that because of you listening and hearing our prayers, Lord, you love to give good gifts to your children, and Lord, I thank you that Angel and his wife can experience that this morning, Lord, that you do give good gifts, and Lord, I pray that you would do a work in her life through that, through this medication, Lord, that it would help her out, and Lord, we just thank you and praise you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
sing this song, think about the church across the world that we're a part of, the body of Christ. It goes far beyond the 60 or 70 or 80 people or whatever are here this morning. We are part of a much bigger body of Jesus Christ. We believe in one true God, one Father, one Spirit, one Son, one church, one faith, one Lord of all. And that is the truth of it as we worship him. And if you ever feel discouraged, think about all the churches around the world. Think about all your brothers and sisters around the world. And I'm so glad that it's Christ that is the center and the focus of all of it. We believe we are one church. Okay, let's start it over. Sorry. There we go. Thank you, Brandon. We believe in one true God, Father, Spirit, Son, one church, one faith, one Lord of all is King. God, 
When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly Welcome. It's good to have you here. Are you going to sing? <laughs> okay. It's good to have each one of you here. Visitors, locals, regulars, irregulars, whatever category you put yourself in, it's good to have you here. Welcome, and uh, I hope you'll be able to uh, join in. I hope you have joined in to the worship time already here this morning. For those of you new here, we have uh, our restroom facilities are to my left, your right, straight back that hall. We have coffee, tea, water, and the like back in the foyer there. Uh, please help yourselves to that. After the service, we have a lunch planned. We do this on a regular, <clears throat> on a regular basis. And you are all welcome and invited to join us in that. That is something we see as a very important time of our fellowship and our interaction together, building our relationships. So please stay and, and uh, join us in that uh, part of our service as well. We don't pass an offering here, but if God has blessed you and if he has asked you to give, and if you can give cheerfully, those are the, that's the criteria that's set out in Scripture in the New Testament for giving. If you fit those categories, you're free to, to give if you'd like. We have an offering box on that back wall, and you can also uh, do so on our website. Uh, there are several different links and methods for sharing there as well. We have uh, a guest speaker this morning that we're going to... Uh, hear from in a bit, but I'll uh, hold off on that, and Phil's going to make some introductions on that. In the meantime, we got a little children's lesson, and I'm not sure who's looking forward to it more, the children or Derek, but maybe we'll find out. So kids, come on, sit up here. So let's see what Derek's got for you this morning. Okay, so do you guys know how old the Earth is? No? Well, apparently it's thousands of years old. And in Genesis 1, uh, verses 1 through 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So if God created the earth, which is thousands of years old, how old do you think God is? Infinity? 
Well, it tell, the Bible tells us how old he is. It says in Revelation 1 verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. So if God doesn't have an age, um, he always existed. And if you guys ever feel lonely or sad or need a friend, you can always talk to him, and he will always be there. He will never go away because he always existed, and he always will exist. So that's all I have. You can go back to your seats. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Derek, by the way. All right. Did you see how we have this wonderful front row here to help us? Okay, let's jump up, boys. Brandon, you are so lucky you didn't sit in the front row. We have another front row. No, just kidding. Um, all right. You're going to be the only guitar player we got this morning, though. All right. Which one shall we make these guys do? Cast your burdens? All right. Let's see if we can do that a cappella. Okay, we're going to need some clapping back here. Cast your burdens unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. 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 Lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. I was going to make Michael do a solo, but he started jumping, actually. All right, what's another one? I got the joy, joy, joy. Which one do you want to do first? Where, or you want to sing it? Where first? Then they have the chance to outdo you guys, though. Okay. All right. So you're gonna you're gonna sing first. You're gonna say where first. Sing first. Okay. You guys got the where. Okay. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay And I'm so happy, so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart And I'm so happy, so very happy 
I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got Depths of my heart to stay, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. So, where are you guys if we do, um, oh my word, on Whaley, 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 where are you guys? Who's the king of the jungle? Do you guys, you can do the whaley whaley loud enough? There ain't a lot of girls up here. Who's the king of the jungle, right? Okay, but who's going to do the whaley whaley loud enough? Okay, Ruthie and Saretta will help. All the girls. <laughs> well, maybe we could get Ruthie and Saretta. Let's go. Yeah. They need examples. Okay, this is the last song, so sorry, Ruthie. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right. Now you guys got you guys got it now? You gonna have the whaley 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 part? Okay, you guys got you guys got this, Michael? You look kinda gorilla ish these days. <laughs> All right. You're shaggy enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes, he's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes, he's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Good job. All right, you guys can go sit down. You may turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, um, Patrick or Noah, could you just put in Google Caesarea Philippi and pull it up on the big screen? There's a picture that will come up of this place. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, 
But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. They may not yet have found that. But I want to read to you what Caesarea Philippi was. And by the way, if you want a very good teaching on this scripture and its place, Google or YouTube Ray Vanderland. And I'll put the link on the, on the church fellowship link so that those of you who are there or want to be there, you can, you can look it up there. He does a whole teaching and takes you via video to this place, Caesarea Philippi. But I'll read to you just a bit. Near Caesarea Philippi, a city of Greek Roman culture known for its worship of foreign gods. Jesus announced that he would establish a church and gave authority over it to the apostle Simon, whom he named Peter. When Christ asked, who do, be people, who do people say that the Son of Man is? It was Simon Peter who was inspired to answer, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The city had been known as Baneas, an Arabic pronunciation of Paneas. This name honored the Greek god Pan, a half-man, a half-goat deity often depicted playing a flute who was worshipped here. But there was something else. In this place where they had this altar to this god, was in, it was encaved in, in into a big rock. And that rock was called Petra, or big rock. And Jesus took his disciples specifically there to ask him this question. Who do you say that I am? Now, Jesus never does anything unintentional. He, every one of his stories of what the kingdom of God was like or who he was, he depicted in pictures that we can understand, that they could see. And that picture we sometimes miss because in our Western culture we read this story and we don't even understand where Jesus took them to illustrate this confession and what it does in our life. Now, I don't believe that Peter is the rock. I believe that Jesus was saying to Peter, you made this confession and it's this confession that is, will be the rock that I will build my church on. Because John says in 1 John, 
Whoever confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is one of his. And to this day, whenever we baptize someone, we ask them that question. Do you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Because if he came in the flesh, then you believe that, then he can truly be the only Messiah, the only one who can forgive our sins, who can redeem us. And Apostle Paul understood that confession very well and spoke of it often in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the verse that I quoted to you. I just want to read again to you and ask you this one question this morning. Who do you say that he is? Not only with your lips, but as people look at your life, our life speaks much louder than our words. Have you ever heard someone say that to you? Your life is speaking so loudly to me, I can't hear what you're saying. I think many children could probably say that about their parents. Your example of your life is speaking so loud and loudly to me, I can't hear what you're saying to me. What is your life's confessing to the world that you work in, the community you live in, the home you live in? Is it confessing? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that confession in the middle all the idol worship that Herod the king had brought Israel to. He had set this place up to invite the Israelites into this idol worship. And many were coming. And there was something else that was there. This idol was a god of immorality. And we live in a world where the god of immorality is a strong in our flesh and in the world as he's ever been, just as strong as this. That culture is the culture we live in. And there's only one thing that'll deliver us from that God and the worship of that God. Worship meaning the surrender of my body to that God. And that's this confession. Christ, you're the son of the living God and you can deliver me from all of this immoral idol worship culture. And you're the only one. A counselor can't do it. A preacher can't do it for me. My wife can't do it for me. Accountability to another brother won't do it for me. No. None of that. Not one living person can deliver us from this God of immorality. Only one. There is one mediator who stands between God and man, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for mine only, but for the sins of the whole world. And if any man say he has no sin, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if any man confess his sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I'm paraphrasing, putting verses together in 1 John 1 and 2. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this confession, Peter boldly made, not from flesh and blood, 
But the Heavenly Father revealed it to him, and he just spoke it out. And Jesus lived it. And Peter's life lived out this confession. Does your life? Jesus is standing in front of every one of us this morning and saying, who do you say that I am? Who does your life say that I am? Will you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? Romans 10. You're going to be saved from this idol worship. And this will be your life. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. And then he says an amazing word. I do not nullify or make nothing the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. What are you doing with God's grace? Many years ago, there was a dear brother who lived in a culture that we now, looking back 70 or 80 years later, condemn as evil. But in that day, the church... The church, we, not only in Germany, but around the world, thought Hitler was actually perhaps an answer to Germany's problems and even many of the world's problems. Yep, even Henry Ford supported him. Many powerful men in America. It wasn't only those stupid Germans. Don't get too high-minded. The church bought into his lie, many of them, before the world war escalated like it did. But there was one brother who seen the evil and the darkness, and he inspires me to this day. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You may have heard of him. He belonged to the Lutheran Church of Germany. There was a gathering of all the pastors of Germany And Hitler sent someone there. And later on he came there himself. And he asked all the pastors. He said, we're here. We're godly. We believe in Jesus Christ. And he gave them the gospel message. And he said, all I need is for you guys to support me and believe in me. We'll rule the world with Christianity. His idea of Christianity Hundreds of them at that gathering, you can read the story, signed the document, pledged allegiance, Heil Hitler, as an act towards God because they believed, perhaps. I don't know their hearts. There were three men, one this man in particular, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that got up and walked out of that meeting publicly. And he said these words. I confess that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, not Hitler. Now the rest of the world sings the anthem. But in that culture, they were not. 
He died for that confession. But before his death, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said these words, and he wrote much, crying out to God's people in Germany and around the world about the dangers of deception and this worship, immoral man worship. And he called this, he said, God's people have given themselves over to cheap grace. Grace that costs you nothing. It doesn't cost you discipleship. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. A a disciple, a true disciple is a follower. That's what made the disciples different from the multitude. Multitudes of people came to Jesus on and off. Jesus fed them. They received the miracles. I mean, their dead were raised to life. They were healed. The blind seen, the deaf heard, the dumb spoke. It was amazing. But they were not his disciples. Only 12 men. And then 70 others were his disciples. What was the difference? Peter declared that difference. He said, Lord, we have left all to follow you. And they followed him every day. Every day. Are you a disciple? With costly grace. This grace was not made void in my life. This confession is written across my life. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Were any of the disciples perfect? But this one thing they did. In their mistakes they repented. But they kept following Jesus. And that costly grace was in their life. Every day of their life. Following Jesus as a disciple, proclaiming this confession in our culture of immoral worship will cost you everything. Who will be his disciple? Will you be like Dietrich Bonhoeffer in the multitude of pastors stand up and walk out? And he left the church that day, the Lutheran church. And he started a small group of men and women who called themselves the free church. Those who are free in Jesus Christ and free from this immoral worship culture. So I wanted to share that with you to encourage every one of you to be a wholehearted costly disciple of Jesus Christ. It will cost you everything, every day. And that's how Jesus himself lived. I can do nothing of my own initiative. He said in John chapter 6, I do nothing of my own will. I only do what I see my father doing and hear him saying. Let that be the goal of your life today. And you will be able to worship him in spirit and in truth every day of your life. And the reward is so great, both now and forever, 
And Apostle Paul said, they're not even worthy. These little things are not even worthy to be compared to the reward of that costly grace that makes me a disciple. You won't even compare it. The things you'll lose in this life, you won't even compare it. Continue reading the chapter, and Jesus ends it with saying, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you giving? See, every one of us are giving something. Or we're giving nothing in exchange for my soul. But every day, you're giving some exchange for your soul before the Lord. Are you exchanging everything in this world? If you've ever traveled internationally, you know about exchange. Because you can't take an American dollar, our currency, and go buy something over there in many countries. Now, the American dollar has become fluent, and so some will accept it, but many won't. You have to go and exchange your money to their currency to go buy from a vendor. There has to be an exchange of our American dollar, our American values for the kingdom of God. To buy and sell there, you must make this exchange, flesh or spirit. Brother Matt, I've been so blessed um, to reconnect with my brother. It's been many, many years. And years ago, we prayed together and wept together as young men who were filled with the Holy Spirit and were full of zeal for what God could do in us and through us. And today, 20-some years later, God is doing that in our lives. And it's always very enriching to me to reconnect in the Spirit and see the faithfulness of our God in each other's lives. So I've asked him to share a word today. Would you come forward and we'll pray together and we'll give him this time. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and bless you as we stand in all on this rock. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And all of us are mere men. But we hold fast to this confession and to your living word and Lord Jesus, we trust only in your Holy Spirit to empower us and to share this living word as rivers of living water out of our innermost being. So would you do that for our brother today? Because we're hungry and we're thirsty and you promised we will be satisfied. I pray anoint him with that coal from the altar of heaven today. And let him share, Lord those words that you know, you see our hearts and you know our lives and you know our deepest needs. Comfort the faint-hearted. Lord, the feeble knees, I pray, yes, strengthen Lord. them, lift up the hands which are hanging down. If there's anyone discouraged, encourage them. If there's anyone struggling with sin, bring conviction and hope into their lives, Lord. Oh, Father, if there's anyone here who is... Who is Lord, just excited for you, I pray that you would pour the oil of grace of fire on their hearts and all of us together baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.
Thank you, Pastor Phil. Well, good, good morning from sunny South Carolina, where cotton fields and you all and all of those good things are. So we appreciate being here with you in colorful Colorado, I believe they say. And so I've just really enjoyed my time here. And so God bless each one of you, and I pray that we would be again encouraged as we already were uh, with the Word of God. And look at the person next to you and say, you are looking colorful today. And even better than colorful Colorado. So this morning I'd like to share with you one of my favorite subjects. And don't you like when the Lord allows you to do something that you want to do? I think the older we get, I think the more um, he lets us do that as he forms us into the image of his son. I think we should, the older we get and the more we grow in Christ, I think we ought to align more with the will of the Father in heaven here on earth. Amen. And so I was thankful this morning, and it was actually through my scripture reading this morning that the Lord dropped this into my spirit. However, before I share that subject with you, there's uh, difficulties that each one of us face uh, throughout life. And those difficulties can be quite challenging, whether it's difficult moments or difficult hours, weeks, months. Some of you are seated here today, and you may have been in a difficulty for many years and sometimes we get numbed to that difficulty and and disappointment and discouragement come along with that because we thought God would relieve us from that certain aspect sooner as I was going through the scripture that I'm about to read I had to think of Mr. Spafford he's the one that wrote the famous song it is well with my soul he lost his uh, very successful business in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. He was involved in real estate and was an, a very successful attorney. In that same time frame, he lost his four-year-old uh, four son to scarlet fever. Thinking a family vacation would do their family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters to England planning to join them later. While gone, uh, the ship that his wife and four daughters were on, they were in a tragic uh, crash there uh, in the ocean. Anna, his wife, survived the tragedy, and as many of you know the story, telegrammed her husband and said, saved alone. Here's what caught my attention this morning as I reread this story that I've read many, many times in my life. She said, what do I do now? So if there's somebody here this morning who, whether a small difficulty, a medium-sized difficulty or large-scale difficulty. Maybe that question is on your heart. What do I do now? 
And I hope this morning that we can give you some encouragement from God's word what to do now. Now, just uh, for your own good, this morning I've for many years preached in prisons and in Africa. And in those places you can't preach hard enough. So if I get excited this morning about one of my favorite subjects, I promise you I don't want to scare you. Whether you're on the front row or the back row or in the I do not want to scare you. I don't want to uh, make anything difficult for you. But sometimes I get excited. Sometimes I preach loudly. And I over uh, the years, some feedback that has come into my life that I get too aggressive in preaching. So I'm warning you a little bit because I still need to be myself in order to share God's Word with you. Is that okay with you this morning? Thank you. We actually have uh, some Kenyans with us here this morning. Um, They're one of the few white Kenyans, um, but my cousin Maria and her husband and family that I haven't seen for many, many years are churching with us this morning. Give them a warm welcome all the way from Kenya. They've spent many years in Kenya I've been going to Kenya for many years, and we haven't crossed paths over there. And I thought they were in Uganda where their family had been earlier and come to find out they're in Kenya. So I look forward to connecting with them over there sometime. And here we're going to uh, Kenya in August for a pastor's conference just out of uh, Nairobi. And my sister and her husband are here with us today, and we uh, appreciate them. But again... Spafford and what he went through and and the losing of his daughters and, and his wife walking this with him. What shall I do? We're talking about difficult moments before I share with you my favorite subject. Johnny Erica Sintata, who became a quadriplegic in a wheelchair at the age of 17 from a diving accident. To date, she's 73 years old. And when you hear her speak, the presence of the Holy Spirit enters at levels that are extraordinary. Difficulty that she has not been able to get rid of here on this side of eternity. There's some difficulties that come and they go. There's some difficulties that last for a couple months or for a couple years. But according to the story of Johnny Ericus and Tata, the difficulty that came upon her at the age of 17 has not left her. And yet, when she speaks and when she praises the Lord, it's so very powerful. And so this morning, if you're wondering what you should do with what you're holding in your hand, whether it's a pain, a difficulty of some kind. Difficult moments are going to happen in your life. It seems like in my own life and many who I have talked to recently are facing unusual difficulties. Pressures that have increased, if you will. Pressures within Pressures without, pressures politically, pressures personally, pressures publicly, and pressures relationally, 
and the list could go on and on. I don't I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that can identify with unusual pressures. You don't have to raise your hand, but you might want to slip it up a little bit, say that's me. Because I think the one that raises his hand might get the truth in a, even a deeper way this morning. So do you want to try that again? You want to say, hey, hey, I've been around some of those pressures recently, confusing me and not understanding what is going on. So without belaboring the list and without getting the mulligrubs in discussing what some of those things might be, because... A lot of us have them. But I want to take your attention to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. And I just came across these scriptures this morning in my reading. Verse number 11, it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, he being Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. How many of you are thankful that Jesus went by an unusual way to find where you were at when you got born again? In this instant, it was unusual for Jesus to travel in these places and for sure unusual for the Jews to travel in these places. And as he entered, verse 12, in a certain village, there met him ten men. Somebody say ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. How many this morning are thankful that when you cried out to the Lord for salvation, that He met you in that moment. And immediately that difficulty of not knowing Jesus was changed. How many of you are thankful? How many of you are born again Christians? I'm doing some spiritual therapy here because we're going somewhere here today, okay? I'm thankful that that cry went out from my life at age 13 and he heard me. And he saved me, and he set me free. Verse number 14, And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud, somebody say loud. I am glad to know that loud doesn't scare you here, because I heard some loud, and I was like, Thank you, Lord, you're setting us up for a good day. Amen? And so, and he, and he said with a loud voice and glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Somebody say thanks. And he was a Samaritan. In the context that we're reading, if anybody should be, have been thankful, it should have been the Jewish ones. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not to be found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. This morning I want to give you a key to unlocking your next step. Whether you've been doing this for a long time, whether you just started out, I believe every one of us here today can take our next step 
in thankfulness, in praise. Having relief for a heavy heart. So that's the subject matter for the next few minutes is thankfulness slash praise. You say, well, which one? Well, they kind of interlock with each other. And some of you may like thankfulness better. Some of you may like praise better. So you take your pick, and we're going to talk a little bit about thankfulness in praise. I want you to notice, number one, in their sickness they cried out. Verse 13 says, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In their sickness, they cried out. It's important for us to recognize the sickness that we are in, the difficulty that we're in, and then cry out to the Lord for an answer for that sickness. I mean, as you know, lepers in the Bible were pushed out from the other people. They were, in a sense, rejects, and so they joined together one with another just to try to make it another day. And interestingly, denominations didn't matter at that point when there was difficulty at hand. And they cried out. In order for us to receive healing as Jesus gave them, we must recognize our sickness. Not only in their sickness they cried out, but number two, in their going they were healed. Every time I have come across that, which has been dozens of times, that always intrigued me, that in their going, they were healed. Watch this in verse number 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go. Somebody say, Go. Show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Maybe there's somebody here who has recognized their sickness and they cried out to the Lord but you've not yet been healed. The Bible says here that Jesus said to go. In your going, there's healing. That's such a blessing in my life that we don't need to know all the details because God may share something differently with you than he does with me regarding that healing for a discouraged heart, for a sick body, whatever that situation may be he's saying go remember he didn't give Abraham all the details he said here's what I want you to do I want you to go have you ever wondered how that would be if the Lord would say go in your personal situation and you'd get in your vehicle and you'd go out to the end of the driveway and the Lord would begin to show you which way to go a pastor I co-pastored with for quite a few years had that experience. They were packed in the U-Haul with no word of where to go. God had just told them their time at this certain place was over. And they packed their U-Haul and the Lord showed them where to go. Wow. In your going, there's healing. Not only in their sickness they cried out. Not only in their going they were healed. Here's where I'm going to spend a few more minutes on. Number three, in his thank. Now, I want you to notice something. It was plural earlier. 
in their sickness, in their going. Now watch this. In his singular. Now it should have been there, right? It should have been plural, also in number three, because number three is in his thankfulness, he was made whole. You say, well, everybody was healed, but what I'm saying, not everybody was made whole. Let's read verses 15 to 19 again. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. My heart pants to be made whole. I desire to be made whole. I press in to be made whole. It took one verse to talk about they, their cry that they gave to Jesus. It talked about, there was one verse that talked about their healing. But there's five verses that talk about him being made whole. And my heart this morning is that there would be somebody here this morning who would step into the wholeness, a place where you may have never stepped in before. Now I'm going to hear in a little bit share a story with you what happened to me at the age of 19 where I took my first step into being made whole. I was born again for six years and I had more trouble in my life than you can shake a stick at and it was incredibly challenging a lot of trouble a little bit now I'll let that I was gonna now I can't go there because I was gonna talk about Colorado's politics but you probably don't want me to get involved in that amen and so in his thankfulness he was made whole so it took five verses for Jesus to talk about being made whole. Now, before I share my story with you, let me remind you of the man, the lame man, that was sprawled out at the temple gate. What he knew would be his closest option of help. He was banking on the generosity of God's people. Shaking his container, his change. Hoping that somebody would put in enough money for a meal. And Peter and John, men that were filled with the Holy Spirit, do you remember this story? They came up to this lame man and he's jingling he just wants some food but what he didn't know was what he was going to get Peter and John said silver and gold have I not now watch this would he not have placed his hand in John's hand Peter's hand whichever one it was he would have probably stayed there begging till the day he died now watch this. Men and women of God, by the hand of Jesus, will give you their hand. And it's up to you if you want to take that hand or not. 
I have so much faith in my Jesus that because of the journey of my hand, that something supernatural is happening in this young man that he may never forget for the rest of his life. That's what I believe. Because what I went through will not be wasted. And with the anointing that Christ has put on inside of me, when I give my hand to somebody and I offer a hand of help, introduction, handshake, blessing, greeting, whatever it may be, I must believe that I'm going to be a blessing to that believer, to that unbeliever. And this man laid out at the temple gate, put his hand up one more time for some hope. And Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. Arise. Somebody say arise. And the name of Jesus arise. Now watch what happened. This man goes into the temple, the place of reservation, the place of hesitancy, the place in many ways being confused in those days. He goes in leaping and I'm, I'm trying to give you a lesser amount than I picture in my mind. I'm trying to be kind, okay? Because my expression would be much more extensive. He goes into the place of religion shouting and praising and leaping. Now let me be quick to say this. I recognize we're not always going to be leaping and praising and all of that. But in that instant, this man was filled. Wholeness. In 1994, at the age of 17, I tragically lost both of my parents in a bus accident. Two years later, I'm in the Huntington, Pennsylvania tent meetings that was put on by charity. And in the mid-90s, we had a wave of revival that came through that area that impacted hundreds of places across the United States and globally in the mid-90s where I got right with God. At that tent meeting, there was a friend of my parents that knew our story well. They were family friends. A lady by the name of Miss Anna Weaver came up to me in her five foot nothing, put her head into my face, on her tiptoes, put her finger in my face and said, you need to thank God for what has happened in your life. And in that moment, my mind said, have you lost your mind? How in the world, after burying both of my parents and the tragedies that went with that, and the recovery of my sisters and the recovery emotionally. Why would I thank God for that? I kid you not. Two days later, Dave, I'm walking outside. It wasn't the Colorado fresh air. It was in Maryland. It was almost as clean air in Maryland as Colorado. Our mountains weren't as big, but the air was good. And I walk outside. And I had never been a hand raiser to that point. My hand went automatically. The power of the words of that woman took my heart and took my hand. I looked up to heaven like this and I said, thank you, God, for what has happened in my life. And in that moment, 
I didn't know it at the time, but a wholeness came over me that I'm still operating out of today. Now, I'll quickly recognize, and I can't get too long on this, I got a long ways to go, and I got a lot of wholeness that needs to keep happening in my life. But I assure you, that day for the first time, I stepped into wholeness, and I could relate with the man that went and fell at Jesus' feet and said, thank you. How many of you, with some spiritual therapy right where you're seated, would lift up your hand and say, thank you. Go ahead. It's okay. We're just in church. It's, it's, it's okay. Just leave it up a minute. Some of you need to break through some things with a raised hand. It would take me hours to tell you of the things that have broken free from my life and others by a raised hand. There's times I can't even say a word, and I go back to that story. There's times I'm driving down the road in tears. I can't even pray. I don't even know what to say to the Lord. And I'll raise my hand. You can put your hands down. A hand of praise. I was going to get into a little bit of what praise talks about in the Hebrew. And it's throwing something. It's casting, giving to the Lord. And the idea is with a stone being thrust. And when you put your hand up, you're, you're throwing something to the Lord. And you're saying, I'll be okay. I'm praising you. I'm praising you. In my time remaining, I want to give you a powerful truth as it connects to thankfulness. Just one. There's a couple ones right in this scripture and throughout the word of God. But I'm going to let Pastor Phil teach you that one later. Psalm 55:22. I'm giving you a powerful truth in order for you to be a hand clapping person. I know, I know we have a mixed congregation here, which is a joy of my heart from so many different backgrounds. I've studied the evangelical persuasion. I've studied the reformed uh, persuasion. And I can't, I can't find anywhere in the Word of God where it gives us an out not to raise our hand. And I want to be careful how I qualify something in your personal life. Because as I'm raising my hand in worship, there's a lady seated in front of me crying with her worship. So I want to be very careful in, in what I share here. But some of you need to be released in getting your hand up in the air. And do you notice how our worship leader was quite creative in getting you involved in worship by what was happening with the kids. We fall right into it when it's the kids. But when it's us as adults, we have a little harder time with it. Amen. I didn't come here to challenge you, but I want to I just I just love the subject of thankfulness and praise. In Psalm it says, "Cast thy burden." If you're going to be 
an over-the-top praiser, you're going to have to learn how to cast your burden in upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In order to praise effectively, in order to be filled with appreciation, you must cast your burden on the Lord. This morning, some of you may have a heavy heart. The psalmist says, in closing, as I just go through a couple verses here, in closing, the psalmist says, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Some of us need to cast our burdens at the feet of Jesus. What is it? Is it relational? Is it financial? Is it everything in between? Is it a compiled difficulty? that has caught up with you, what is it? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of you would just put your hands together right while I'm preaching and just praise the Lord? Go ahead, Steve, help us out. Put those hands together. He's back there wanting to praise. Go ahead, it's okay. Not just in singing, you can do it in preaching. Put the hands together for the spirit of heaviness. He says, thus will I bless thee while I live. The psalmist says, I will lift up my hands in thy name. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all, somebody say all. Let all the people praise thee. I will praise the name of God with a song. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise. I want you to think, like our brother mentioned this morning, about thousands of congregations across the world that are lifting up incense to the Father and praising the Lord. Compile that and think about what the Father thinks. The easiest way to get the attention of your Father which is in heaven is through praise. What's the easiest way that your child gets attention from you? Is it through complaining or is it through appreciation? The old saying is the squeaky wheel gets the grease first. No, 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 no. The appreciative wheel gets the grease first. The one that is thankful is the one that's going to get the blessing. I believe... It ought to encourage each one of us to know some of the deep difficulties that David went through in worshiping and praising the Lord even through those times. I'll give you just a few things and I'll be done. December 31st, 2022, over January 1st of 2023, I had the opportunity to preach during an all-night worship service in Kenya. They take worship, obviously, to another level. And what an eye-opener that was to me to worship an entire night as they wept, as they praised, as they shouted to the Lord God Almighty. In Kenya and greater Africa, there's so many things happening. And it's good for us to take note of those things. Praising the Lord God Almighty. Here just a week ago, I was holding my first grandbaby. 
in Maryland. We raised all of our kids in South Carolina for the past umpteen years. And my oldest son and his wife answered the call of duty to go work back in Maryland in the exact same area that I grew up in. And I'm holding that first grandbaby. And those of you who know what that's like know what I'm talking about. My first experience. And it overwhelmed me. And I began to thank the Lord because just a few hundred yards from where I was holding that little one is where my parents are buried. And I had to thank the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I can't even begin to express to you what I felt like as I'm holding that grandbaby. So hang on. Cast your burden on the Lord and praise Him. I'm going to leave you with these verses and I'll be done. Out of Revelation 5, verses 11 and uh, 12. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, strength, honor, and glory and blessing. I look forward to an eternity of worship and praising the Lord. But how many of you would just stand to your feet as I give the microphone to your pastor and just give the Lord one more applaud of praise. Go ahead and stand and give Him some praise. Give Him some worship. Give Him some thanks. He's worthy. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Thank you, Pastor. You can be seated. Thank you, Brother Matt. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. You just obeyed the word of the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. Which many Christians miss. And every command Victory. Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. Psalm 50, verse 23. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, this way is the right way. I will show the salvation of my God. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. Therefore, I want the men. Okay, men, I'm just going to continue into the what, what the Holy Spirit's been doing here. Stand up, men. I want the men. In every place. To pray, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and without dissension, or the word is doubting. Therefore, I want the men 
in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubting. You may be seated. Well, that would change our lives. If heaven looked down on that every day in every home, the fathers just obeying the scripture. There's a book written, by the way, of Brother Matthew's parents and the story of their family. It's called Triumph Over Tragedy. Can you get it on Amazon? Do you know, Joanne or Matt? You can't? Are you sure? I was going to Google it to see if you can. Like, can. Can we order the books? Are they available anywhere? Would you? I would like to have a, a stack of books back here of that story. It's called Triumph Over Tragedy. It's sometimes the story of God's power in others' lives that changes our life the most. And if you haven't experienced this, dear fellow believer, I'm just telling you, you're poor. <laughs> Your life will be greatly enriched through the power of God in believers who lived before you and who are living now around you. No wonder you feel so alone. You deserve it. Because you're not looking around you. You're not reading God's story in other people's lives. If you began that, never would the devil be able to isolate you and make you feel you're alone. Never. Because you know you're not. One of the things I believe is my greatest duty as a dad is to have our sons know the story, God's story, written in people's lives throughout the ages of my history, your history, our family, God's family. Boy, that's exciting. You can get it on audio. They fall asleep listening to it. Have a whole bunch of them. You can get them cheap. You can get it on Audible on your phone. It's never an easier day to do it. You can listen to it while going down the road. For a few dollars, you can get these stories. It will change your life. Just like did Matt's, mine, all of us can do that. Yes, Lucas. Okay. But, but one a month can change your life. One a month is good. That's true. Audible should change that. That's a problem. Yep. I'm going to tell you one more secret. The story that he read about these nine lepers. Did you know there was a big difference between the one and the other nine? Can someone tell me the difference? That happened to them. Or did you think everything, they just lived the rest of the life the same? You should look deeper. Jesus said... The nine were cleansed. The one who gave thanks was made whole. Two different Greek words. The one, the nine, you know, leprosy is a rotting disease. It stinks like crazy. That's why the Lord said to Israel, isolate them, get them out of the camp. It's very contagious, but it's also very stinky. 
Your disease literally, the disease rots your limbs right off of your body. The nine looked. The rotting had stopped. But the one who came and praised Jesus and gave thanks, all of his members were restored to normal. That's the difference. The nine were cleansed. The one was restored and made whole. Which one are you? You can be cleansed from your sin. You can be cleansed from your bitterness. You can be cleansed from your unforgiveness. You can be cleansed from every sin. But there's a difference. Those who are cleansed can also be made whole. And that means restored. Fully restored. And Jesus came to do that. Not just cleanse us, make us whole. Matt and Joanne, his sister, are sitting here having been made whole. Their spirit, I'm sure there are days, are still in deep pain. It may come over you with like flashes out of nowhere. It does for all of us. But the one who is made whole triumphs over the tragedy. What has been meant for evil is now a force of good. And Joseph, out of all the Old Testament characters, is the greatest example of this. His brothers sold him as a slave to Egypt. And when he gets there, he's a young man of integrity, and he does so well, and he gets lied about through Potiphar's wife, and he gets thrown into prison. And in the prison, his integrity is still with him, and he does so well that he takes charge of the whole prison. The prison guard relaxed and gave him the whole responsibility of the whole prison. And after he translates the dreams, the interpretations to the butler and the baker, they forget about him and let him sit in prison for two more years. But when God brings him through to the final place of his purpose in Egypt, Joseph says amazing words to his brothers who sold him into Egypt. He said, it wasn't you who did it to me. Who did he credit it for? God. It was God who sent me here so I could provide for you. That's being made whole. From every evil that happens to us or evil thing, we do never blame a person. We don't give any person the credit. We give God the credit. And when God turns it around and makes us useful out of that evil, we glorify God. And we bless those whom God used to bring us there. That's being made whole. A life-giving spirit out of every experience. Do you experience that? You can. Many Christians are cleansed. But few are made whole. Turn that what is meant for evil into a life-giving spirit to the very ones who do the evil to them. And yet, if you read their stories, they're sprinkled throughout the history and even the present age of the church. 
And you can be one of them. And I can too. But to do that, you have to obey the scriptures. The simple words. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. When people lie about you, when they forget about you, when they sell you off to some other part of the world. You see, Joseph had a secret. He's seen each step as a graduation. Do you ever think about that? He was just one of the younger sons whom his daddy loved and gave him some responsibility. He gets sold to Egypt and he takes charge of the whole man's... This, this guy, Potiphar, was one of the king's big guys. He puts him in charge of this whole house. He gets lied about there and he gets graduated to prison. Many more people now underneath his authority. And from there, he runs the country. Do you see it that way? That's how God sees it. That's what he wants to do with every one of our lives. Thank you, brother. All right, let's rise to our feet and continue on with the, the joy of fellowship in God's word with each other. The joy of the fellowship of the saints. God's work in each other's lives. And Lord, we worship you this morning. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who's only been cleansed, that today you would make them whole. They would fall on their face before you in the closet or with someone else. Oh, Lord, don't let us go home and go our way only cleansed. Make us whole, each one of us. That's what you are longing to see and do in every one of our lives. So we ask you, and we come to you for this in our own lives and each other's lives. And we thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for being a good dad. Thank you for cleansing us. But oh, thank you for the wholeness that you have in your heart for us to experience, every one of us, so that no evil, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.